world as you know it has ended. The worlds as you don't know them yet, they're waiting with open arms. This is the Durgans and Dargans podcast. Welcome to Durgans and Dargans. I'm your dungeon master, Ben. Joining me today is Matt. Matt, introduce your character. Hello, my name is Matt. I'm playing Jet, the gnome fighter. Also joining me today is Aaron. Hey, I'm uh, Aaron. I'll be playing Darren Buccaneer, the Minotaur Sorcerer. And of course, there's Charles. I'm Charles. I'm playing Runal Surname, the human evocation wizard. So we are a D&D podcast for the whole family. As long as your whole family is into intense, bloody adventures. We take D&D seriously, but we're not going to teach your six-year-old any unfortunate vocabulary words. If everything goes according to plan, this episode will be posted exactly three weeks after episode seven. Fingers crossed there, making us, I believe, the first tri-weekly posting podcast, at least the one that I know of, in the eight that I follow. Yeah, we'll see. We'll do what we can. The editing process gets a little tough when you have three kids. Anyway, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Durgandarg and use the hashtag DarganFamilyPodcast when you post about the show. Not much more in the way of announcements, so let's dive right in. You guys have just finished a rigorous training and testing session. You've gotten a good night's sleep, and you are woken from your bed. You're woken from your rooms in the suite the next morning by a knock on the door. You open it, and there is Roderick Stockenberg, who says, Good morning, my friends. I hope you slept well. I'm glad you survived the exchange that you had yesterday. I, uh, should have told you this beforehand, but the professor is a little... Well, he's a fan of tough love. There was no guarantee you would have survived it, but I'm glad you did. Anyway, he's got... A potential mission for you today, we're going to get right to work, but first, we need to do a little shopping. So you're going to come with me, I'm going to lead you to Carpel's Tunnel, to a particular shop, and we're going to get some supplies. So, please, come with me. Uh, I'm sorry, did you just say Carpel's Tunnel? Carpel's Tunnel? That's that's a place in this junction? Uh Uh-oh, yes, um... I wouldn't be surprised if you needed a little bit of a refresher. Uh, Open your handbook and uh, open to the page, The Junction. Does someone do that? Uh, Jet does not open that. Who's got the handbook? Runal. Runal, let's say you've got the handbook. Okay, I do that. I don't don't really know what you want me to do right now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I just need you to open and say, I open the handbook and I turn to The Junction. Or something oh, like that. I assumed I assumed I was doing that. I didn't know okay, if you wanted right. Foley work of pages flipping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay. I did that too, uh, yeah. and it so sounded you, exactly like that. There we go. I, okay, so you you open the book. It's a terrible sound. And it I finished you. my go and then I opened the book. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Uh, okay. So you you turn in the book to the first entry. And it greets you. Hello, I'm Tom, the handbook of the observable multiverse. You have selected the junction. 
The Junction is the only universe that does not fit into the categories of a spacious universe or a plain universe. The only way to describe it is that it is an infinite, infinite universe. It goes up and up and up and down and down and down and out and out and out. No one knows where it ends. It is a twisted amalgam of rooms and hallways, some made of metal, some of stone. There are massive rooms and grand passages, and there are little cubbies and minute crawlways. And scattered throughout it are many entrances, many plain white hallways that seem ordinary enough, but if you walk down them just far enough, you are transported to another universe. The junction is the only universe that is connected to any other universe, and it is connected to all the other universes. Some have been explored, and there are people contacted. Some of these have even established trade and a government in the junction. No one knows who first discovered their own junction hallway, but whoever it was arrived at the junction, continued to explore other universes, and began the process of building it up into what it is now, the center of culture, bureaucracy, and trade for the entire multiverse. In it, you can find nearly anything in existence available for trade, from the sky diamonds of the gemstone universe, to the rare herbs of the garden universe, to the best possible tacos in existence from the food cart universe. It is a wonderful conglomeration of ideas, races, cultures, technologies, magics, and of course various agencies, businesses, unions, and organized crime syndicates. Really, it's a good time. Warnings. The organized crime in the junction has various zones of control, and within their individual zones, you ought to treat them as the ruling authority with respect to their individual laws and customs. If you are in the Hazeroth Mafia zone, for instance, you ought to blink no more than once per minute, unless you wish to engage in combat with any of the orc population in that zone, or are offering a piggyback ride to any of their halfling or gnome population. The governmental ministries and bureaus in the junction are too numerous to mention, and all of them possess an inordinate amount of influence and control over the junction itself, and sometimes the various universes that connect to it. Nearly all of them are permitted to use deadly force in order to enforce the laws in their various jurisdictions, and contact with any junction bureaucrat ought to be limited or avoided if at all possible. Special care should be taken around the Food, Eatable, and Taste Administration, PETA, the Fashion Police, and of course, the IRS. <laughs> Only a few dozen of the passages leading from the junction have been explored. The main reason for this is that once going through a passage to an unexplored universe, the odds of returning are very slim. Most researchers have concluded that the conditions beyond those passages, from whose born no traveler returns, are simply too deadly for anyone to survive. Some few philosophers and cult leaders have postulated that those universes are simply too full of happiness and pleasure for anyone to want to return, and have built up a following of sending their initiates through those entrances after having left all their worldly possessions with those leaders. Joining one of these cults is not advised. Best of. The best food and drink in the junction is such a point of fierce debate that you should not even mention the topic unless you wish to engage in deadly combat. The worst food can be found in the Gnome District at the Embassy from the Gnome Universe. The best gossip in the junction can be found in the Wayward Tavern, 20 levels up from the Rothfuss Passage. The best shopping in the junction can be found in Carpel's Tunnel, a massive tube that extends for nearly 10 miles with a seemingly infinite amount of shops and businesses. If it is something you can imagine, from a planet to a chocolate, it can probably be purchased here for an exorbitant price. Jet, Jet hears that whole thing, nearly fell asleep and said like, I don't know where the heck we're going, but I want to find out what a taco is. <laughs>
Oh, that'll be really original. We can make our whole character's raison d'etre to be to discover what a taco is. <laughs> no one's ever done that before. Out. And then we no, found out no, that it's a it's like that. D&D character. <laughs> it's yeah. just a person. Uh, yeah, it, it turns out it's a person. <laughs> well, no, we stepped into the McElroy universe. There's yeah. Taco. The uh, McElroy universe. Uh, but, but wait a minute. They said that the place in the food truck universe made tacos. So tacos is a person. Are they just cloning tacos to eat? Yeah, it's taco meat. <laughs> it's, it's ground up high Ground up Brilliant idea. Yeah, I, yeah. So good. <laughs> Jen is like, okay, let's go. Uh, that's it. I just wanted to figure out what this is and not get piggybacked right in the process. Let's get out of here. Fair enough. All right. Well, I suppose we can stop for lunch. So, yes, come with me. Yes. Uh, you guys you guys follow him, and he leads you out of Professor Absentine's compound. He leads you into this, this big dark stone room in this big dark stone building, and you go down a dark stone hall... Uh, and then you make a left and a couple rights and the wall is green and mossy and then there's a passageway that's really sandy and there's a passageway that seems like it's made out of wood paneling and there's another passageway that seems like it's all made out of twisty wrought iron uh, cast iron pipes it's it's just this big amalgamation of things and if you didn't have Roderick with you you'd be getting lost Um, it is just this crazy twisting maze of things you go upstairs you go downstairs you you go down another one of those slides that you guys you guys went in when you first came to the junction um oh yeah and i'm not gonna make you make a fun roll on that one but you know (laughs) everyone has a good time this time uh everyone has a good time like even roderick has a big smile on his face and he seems like a relatively serious person i'd imagine we'd be having a lot more fun when i getting chased by the uh, interdimensional cops yes yeah maybe um so you end up in at the end of Carpel's Tunnel. And Carpel's Tunnel has to be seen to be believed. It is this 200-yard high, 400-yard wide tunnel of shops. And there are catwalks that are made of metal or stone that cross over and back and forth. And there's can passages do, along the side of it. I Can I do a little walk on the catwalk? Um, yes, but not without your shirt. Fair enough. Yes, you do. Um, you, you have to do a turn too. Yeah, I do my little turn. <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. I'm over here, like picking. <laughs> yeah. Finish your description. <laughs> um, yeah, cat walks back and forth. There are shops and shops and shops built into the walls of this tunnel. There are bakeries. There are florists. There's one bakery called Florist's Bakery. There's, um, <laughs> you, you assume florist is a person. Um, I was going to say, are, is, there, is there a baker's you, flower shop? You can only assume that there must be. Um, there are smiths. There are jewelers. There are pawn shops and pawn shops and pawn shops. There are rug shops. There are magical item shops. There are enchantment shops. There are potion shops. You just look and it. You can't see the end of the tunnel. The shopping just continues and continues and continues. You smell a million different smells. You hear a million different shopkeepers saying, "Come by here. Come, yeah, you." There. You look like you need a sweet meat. Are, are they all from the 50s? It's just a cacophony of 
sounds and experiences, and it kind of takes you guys back. You have not seen anything this grand in your entire lives up until this point. So he leads you across one catwalk, halfway up the side of the passage on your right, and he brings you to a shop with a picture of a magical wand and an owl on it with the name Useful Doodads and Magical Gear. <laughs> Proprietor, Philip A. Satchel. Magical oh, Doodads. Runel's already inside. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't see why we need to go in here, but I mean, I guess we should follow our companion so he doesn't get lost in this place. Oh, Roderick took you there. Okay. Like, Roderick, Roderick guided you to this place. Um, and he, he enters and guides you guys into the shop, and the, the shopkeeper looks up and says, Oh, hey there. Uh, yeah, good to see you again, Roderick. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a minute. I, um, I'm assuming you're here on the professor's business. I am. We have some new recruits. Uh, I'm assuming the professor's credit is still good here. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we take, we take his credit. He's always good for it. So, uh, do we need, do we need the usual and then some? Oh, yes. So, uh, let me have, uh, a bag of holding, a bag of hold person, and each one of them will be able to pick out an item from your special collection, and it will be all in the professor's tab. So he uh, reaches behind the counter and he hands you what you recognize as a bag of holding, which normal bag of holding rules, and then another bag that seems like it's really, really stretchy, and it is a bag of hold person. And he explains to you that this is a bag which you can wrap around a single individual of whatever size, but it only can be one person, and it will hold them in stasis indefinitely in case you ever need to transport a person from somewhere to somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, that might be a thing you have to do someday. You you wonder to yourselves... Are we going to be bounty hunters? What sort of work are we getting into? Are we literally going to be bounty hunters in this campaign? Are you asking that to Roderick? No, I'm, 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 I'm kind of asking this out of character. You should ask Roderick. Uh, Roderick, I... I don't mean to sound ungrateful for our job, but, um, this seems to imply that we'll be, uh, procuring people. Are we going to be bounty hunters of some kind? Uh, yes, that's probably a very good way to put it. You may be collecting bounties on some particular people. Okay, then. For the professor, for science. Okay, all right. I, I don't feel terribly comfortable with that. Good, I'm glad we're all on board. Anyway, there are a list of special things that you will be able to choose from at this point, and it will be put on the professor's tab, so whatever you think you will find most useful in the dangers to come. Uh, so the shopkeeper brings out a, um, a rolled-up bundle, and he unrolls it on top of the counter, and in it you see an immovable rod, a belt of dwarven kind, a wand of the war mage, a necklace of fireballs, a death grasp glove, a bag of tricks, and goggles of night. Wait, 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 wait. Um, Did you say mattress of fireball? Necklace, necklace of, fireball. of fireball. I'm like, uh, huh? <laughs> Very confused. I, yeah, I, I absolutely want the next shop we go into to sell a mattress of fireball. <laughs> yeah. 
One wrong. It's um, it's it's a mattress. It just had someone spill a bottle of cheap booze on it. <laughs> so, Roderick, so we only get one. Uh, each of you gets one. Oh. And then, should should you like, you can purchase an additional one for five hundred gold apiece, but that's out of your own pocket. Do we? What? Hold on. Don't we have like three hundred? <clears throat> How much some gold? gold do we have? So you guys, you guys actually earned a lot of gold working for the Freedom Brigade. Do, have you guys been tracking your gold? The last I had well, tracked so you was never, I don't have that told us how much we got paid each so time. You got paid like 100 and then 300. Okay. And then. Because I haven't tracked to 200 some gold. Yeah. Is what I had last. But I'm not sure if I bought I think you, you definitely that. have another. Like, I think you each have 400 gold. So if you guys wanted to like share some gold a little bit, you could afford some more stuff. Though I, I will kind of give you a warning that. Uh, you and that's may the same be purchasing gold. other things down the road too. Gold I, I, spends gold. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say we we were in a different universe. Uh, like, does boring gold work in the junction? <laughs> uh, yes. I totally forgot that we were from the boring universe. universe, universe. I'm like, why are you saying boring? <laughs> yeah, universe DLL four hundred four. Money yeah. still does spend. I can't believe that none of us picked up on that <laughs> until the next session. It's, it's, yeah. Oh yeah, I, we were, uh, that was good. I thoroughly enjoyed naming that. Good. Well, I'm gonna say that I've got I've got two that would be really that my jet is like there there are two of those things that would be really nice for me. I just can't pick. Um, so I mean, you have a um, there's that you have a gold coin. Have you ever tried flipping for it? I mean, that's fair. I was I was wondering if you would there was. Nah, you know what? I'm fine. I'll figure it out myself. Ah, oh, I see. I, I see what you mean. Uh, I would I would be happy to help uh, supplement for uh, one of those magic items you have your eye on. Alright, I, I, owe, I owe you one. Alright. Oh, you fame. I have about 200 and some gold at my disposal, currently. So we each... You each, I think have, you each have 400 gold. We each have 400 gold. Oh, so I can... Yeah, I can... I'll... 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 Uh, I'll supply you 100 gold you just have to uh pay me back uh i guess next pay jack how does it work in this world oh uh roderick explains you you will be paid uh you will also get various equipment and things like that and uh any any jewels and any bounty or booty that you find out in your adventures is yours to keep uh, you will be sent out for specific things, and other than that, you can keep it. I, I will warn you, though, that the IRS will tax it on your return to the junction. And I'm sorry, that the IRS, that stands for... Uh, the Internal Revenue Service. Oh, oh so okay. it doesn't change no matter where you go. a fantasy you know. version of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the fantasy IRS. It, it's almost um, like, um, they're just, just like... Two things that are certain, apparently. What yes, one could the say. death of the universe and taxes. <laughs> the death of the universe <laughs> and specifically the the American IRS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's uh, America? Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, but that's where this IRS thing came from, and they've been <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> they showed up there, and now they're everywhere. Well. Jet slaps his entire 400 gold on the table as well as 100 borrowed from Darren and and says, one belt of dwarven kind and one death grasp glove. I might regret this later. Uh, the shopkeeper says, oh, all right there. Oh, yeah, it looks like it's all in order. That's 500 gold. Yeah, go ahead. They're all yours. They're all yours. 
um, this is going to come as a pretty intense surprise. Um, Rudel wants the wand. Oh, yeah. There you go, buddy. And he, uh, <laughs> he picks up the wand and heads. He says, you look like, uh, you know, sort of a magical, magical fella. So, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, as soon as as soon as I put the wand in my hand, like everything just starts glowing, like that scene in Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, so I will say that the wand does transform into uh, whatever shape most that uh, it determines most suits its owner. So what does it look like in your hand? Uh, it's wand shaped, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so so you you're specifically talking about the design of the wand, right? Like I can't say, yeah, oh, so actually, it, it, it takes the perfect wood. It takes the perfect form of a plus three broadsword. <laughs> 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 yeah, it um, no, it's um, it's actually um, relatively short, um, which I don't want. To present uh, any reason as to why, um, but uh, it is—it is probably a little shorter than you expect it to be. Um, but I think that it's going to just be more for uh, function. Um, he, Runo, is going to be, I think, really untrusting of these universes that he's going into, um, and I, I really see him taking a more stealthy approach um so to be able to have a a wand that he can fit into literally his pocket is is going to be something that's important to him um and i and i don't think that this is actually something that he's consciously like right like this isn't i'm deciding what the charles is deciding what the wand is but i don't think runo is this is just something that's like very internalized to him um, it's also mm-hmm. pretty ornate. Um, like, it's not fancy, it's not extravagant, um, but there definitely is very fine detailed. Um, I'm picturing, like, uh, like 3D Celtic knot designs throughout the handle um, that I think I think Runel really appreciates um, attention to detail. Uh, so, so it is very um, ornate, um, but overall, and it's a overall when you look at the wand all together it's unimposing it's not um anything very over the top but when you really look at the fine details it, there's a lot of attention that has gone into this um and and i think that all of this is not something that brutal himself could explain or express uh, but this is all just very internalized to who he is as a person. So the shopkeeper looks at this tiny little wand and goes, Ooh, you know there, uh, you seem to, you know, be a, maybe you have a little stealth in you. Uh, here, I'll throw this one in on the house. And he gives you a wand holster for your boot. I like it. Uh, so that should you like, you can take this tiny little holdout wand and tuck it into your boot. Uh, if you want to pretend your regular wand is just your only wand, you know, maybe you need to sneak it in somewhere. Yeah, and like I really want to stress, like it is a plus one wand, correct? So yeah. like, oh, yeah. and and Runo is pretty good at spells, so I do want to stress that the the size of the wand doesn't matter because he does know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> does that just leave me with the uh, the necklace of fireball? 
No, there was a bunch of items, right? Uh, no, yeah, there were, um, there's still the immovable rod, the, um, bag of tricks, the goggles of night, and the necklace of fireballs. Oh, the bag of tricks is still there. Do Minotaurs have dark vision? No, we do not. I That's do right, not none of us have dark vision. Have dark vision. Yeah. Which is why I don't want to... I... Which, which now... Yeah, yeah. What, what are you doing to yourself, Ben? Like, you're the only DM who has a whole team that doesn't have any dark vision. I know, vision. but that's actually really limiting for me, too. So I was I was just going to give you guys some dark vision. Yeah, I, I, now, <laughs> I, now, now, I was going to say, and I do now. Now I don't want to yeah, take it. So Matt does now, because he's got the Belt of Dwarven Kind. No, no, now I don't want to take it. The no. Belt of Dwarven Kind also gives because dark vision. Because I'm really stuck between, like, because... Like, with the necklace of fireball, I'm like, will that even fit around my neck? Because, like, I'm a giant minotaur. Um, so part of me is like, do I just wear it as a circlet, like, above my head? Um, or do I just go with the bag of tricks? Because that just sounds like so much fun. Well, hey, if you want, want something, I'll pay, I'll pay for your for your second one and we'll call it even. You have no money left. Yeah, I don't... That's yeah, I think you're, right. you're, you're really <laughs> into that intelligence score, my uh, friend. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot yeah, you, uh... Jet, Jet immediately has to... Jet walks down the street to pawn off his, uh... His, his belt of dwarf. Yeah, one of them. He pawns off one of them to pay for your... Magi style. <laughs> oh, you sold your horns to buy me this... <laughs> Alright, moving along. So, Darren, just, just pick one and we'll go on. I'm gonna take the bag of tricks because it just sounds like well, it sounds fun. Oh yeah, it's uh oh, it's a real hoot. Yeah, you're you're gonna love that. Um, so yeah, if you're ever in a tight spot, you know, just take it out and there's a fuzzy in there and throw it and see what happens. Oh, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, what? Let me tell you, whatever comes out, it'll be friendly to you and your buddies. Okay. All right. That's a that is a blessing. So at this point, uh, Roderick takes you and guides you back through the the twisting passageways. And on on your way back, you think that you're remembering how to get from Carpel's Tunnel to Absentine's Compound and back. So at this point, if you guys wanted to, I would let you leave the compound and go to Carpel's Tunnel and back. You don't need a guide for that anymore. If you wanted to go somewhere else in the junction, you you would still need a guide. Okay. Okay. All right. So he guides you back, leads you to the compound, and he brings you up to Professor Absentine's laboratory, where there is Professor Absentine. Oh, oh, good, good to see you again. I'm, I'm so glad you guys have joined our team. So I, I have a few things that I need from a, a few various universes. Uh, there's a. A thing, a few things that I need from Salvagian Moss, and uh, there's a there's a person that I need from from Rothfuss, uh, and there's a, a a few things that I could use from uh, Roland Dunnage. So, uh, where would you like to go? Would you like to go to uh, the Barbarian Universe? Would you like to go to the Junk Universe? Or would you like to go to the Casino Universe? It's um. I mean, I need all of them pretty equally, so I'll let you pick. I'm not terribly comfortable with bounty hunting. Runel is not going to a barbarian universe right out the gate. That is, uh, I mean, I'd say I'd fight you for it, but we all remember Runel's first punch, so, um. <laughs> and 
Jed is just swimming in cash right now, so... <laughs> we know he definitely is gonna go to casino for sure. Um, I want to remind no, I... you, you have no money. Does that change your answer? I may be dumb, but I can be sarcastic. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, didn't, I didn't... See, it's hard to tell if it's Matt leaning into the sarcasm or Jet leaning into his intelligence score. <laughs> It's a little bit of Poe's law. <laughs> oh, so I I suppose that leaves uh, Salvagian Moss, the junk universe. Well, now, if if you're having money troubles, Mr. Jet, uh, there's a lot of hidden buried treasure in Salvagian Moss. Uh, people throw out valuable things as well as their junk. Uh, it just happens that way. So perhaps if you're lucky enough and you search hard enough, you will find something valuable. Are you perhaps trying to say that one man's trash is another man's treasure? Oh, sometimes people throw out stuff they find valuable too. It just happens, you know? <laughs> like there's an estate sale and it's like they didn't take it to the antiques, uh, you know, tunnel show. And they, uh, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Well, the few things I need from that universe are as follows. I'm going to need three copper gears, two onyx bricks, they must be real onyx, mind you, and half a pound of a green edible fungus, whichever one, as long as it's edible. You might have to test a few to see which ones are edible. Thank you. Anyway, uh, if you are going to Salvagian Moss, I recommend reading the handbook entry involved. Uh, so, are we decided then? Let's go find some trash. Why not? Oh, good. Uh, sorry, you guys good with that? Absolutely. If it's not bounty hunting, I'm fine. I, I appreciate your sentiments, but uh, you're going to need to get over that. We'll talk. We'll see. All right, so you open the Handbook of the Observable Multiverse, and it greets you again. Hello, I'm Tom, the Handbook of the Observable Multiverse. And you turn to the page, Salvagian Moss. Salvagian Moss, Universe KLC-22222, The Junk Universe. Salvagian is called the Land of the Lost by those who live there, which are the noble Salvagian nomads and the ignoble trash goblins. The entire universe is a plane universe, a potentially infinite flat radial plane of junk. Piles and piles and piles of junk. There may have been a civilization there at one point, or more likely there were many, but what it is now and has been for all recorded time is the trash repository for the rest of the universe. But to the careful and lucky treasure seeker, the universe is a mine of valuables and magic trinkets. If they have the time, investigation skills and bravery, and the constitution to resist the stench. Many of these are useless things, the rock of gravity detection being perhaps the most useless, but some of them are ancient and powerful. These things can be found, sometimes, don't get your hopes up too much, after long days of careful searching, fighting off the trash goblins and garbage monsters, or trading down your valuables with the Salvagians, if you are fortunate enough to meet some, or theirs. The Salvagian nomads are a mysterious, secretive, and aloof people of indeterminate race. They are tall, 
thin, hairless, and have mottled blue-gray skin with large, alert eyes looking out from their broad heads and have no nose. They have secret traveling paths through the piles of junk, secret hideouts in the junk, and a secret language that they speak to one another, though they can speak common through a thick accent, and secret traditions that they carry out in the junk. They dress in clothes that have been thrown out by the citizens of the multiverse, which they expertly combine and tailor to themselves with no care for the color or the original style of the garments, but they totally make it work. <laughs> the trash goblins are just as mysterious as the Salvagian nomads. They also have a secret language, which the Salvagians can understand, but unlike the Salvagians, they do not speak common and only understand a few general gestures, most of them rude, to communicate with the strangers in their territory who they invariably attack and attempt to eat. Warnings. When climbing piles and mountains of trash, watch out for pitfalls. For example, when a pile of Rothfusian banana peels disintegrates over time below a pile of old ruling Dunyajin. I need to learn how to pronounce this word that I invented. <laughs> yes, There we go. Uh, for example, when a pile of Rothfusian banana peels disintegrates over time below a pile of old Rulin Dunajin slot machines, the result is a seemingly solid shell of... Sh <laughs> the result is a seemingly solid... Sh wow, man, why did I write it this way? <laughs> The result is a seemingly solid shell of slot machines, which will collapse beneath the feet of an unwary traveler and leave them lying damaged in a pile of moldy banana goo. Mind your footing. Try not to reason with the trash goblins. They are utterly unreasonable and always ravenous. There are some bizarre monsters living in the depths of Salvagian moss. Some say that they were once normal monsters who were somehow thrown away with the garbage of their universe and were hardy or clever enough to survive on trash. Be careful. From the clawfoot climbers to the horned worms, they are always very dangerous and full of unexpected nasty surprises. Did you just say horned worm? Best of. The best food can be found in the rubbish heaps that come from the Shoplex, the grocery universe. Since it is impossible to get the nomads to share their own food, the Shoplex food is magically sealed in cans and is almost, but not quite, imperishable. If it has spoiled, however, it is toxic. Most of it is acceptable to eat and tastes about as good as any preserved food does. The reason it is the best food in this universe is that everything else available is literally garbage. The best shopping is a barter system with the nomads. They drive very hard bargains. The best gossip can be found from the Salvagian nomads, but it is, once again, only the best because it is the only option. Do not expect much. The best treasure can be found in the camps and tunnels of the trash goblins, or perhaps in some random trash heap. Alright, you close the book, and you now know something about Salvagian Moss. So, right. I didn't get any of that, uh, but it's trash, trash, trash. Uh, pretty much. Got it. Well, you clearly got something. Yes, there's a lot of trash involved. Uh... Yes, well, well done, young man. Well done. Ah, so if if you're ready, I'll have Roderick take you to the entrance, and you'll be on your way. Are there any? Uh, I think you're ready. Go. Are there any sentient sporks voiced by Tony Hale that we should look out for? That is a good point. Ah, no, no, the sentient sporks are all voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> is it too late to go to the casino universe? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm a spark! I 
pointy <laughs> head. I'm not a spoon or a fork. I'm right here. I'm a spork. <laughs> Rest in peace. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay. All right. All right let's so, go. Let's, let's keep going. Yes. Yeah. Roder- Roderick says, all right, follow me. And he takes you through a series of winding passages that all look different from one another until you enter a large stone room in which are four notable things. One is an entrance. You recognize it from your trip through from your own universe. There is a long white hallway with pillars coming out of each side of the wall that seems to go on and on forever. In front of it, there are two kiosks, one for outgoing traffic with a sign overhead that says Bureau of Universal Transport Services. And then there is one for incoming traffic that has two people sitting behind it. Uh, one of which says Bureau of Universal Transport Services uh, and a sign marked Immigration and another person sitting behind it with a sign that says Returning Tax Receiving with the IRS logo on it. Oh, fun. As you enter this room, you see that there is a line of two different groups uh, that are waiting to enter the entrance. That's what you do with an entrance. You enter it. And... There is a group of what looks to be some sort of salvage party. They are of, you know, varying races and genders, and they are dressed in uh, dirty, rusty armor with bags and ropes and grappling hooks, and they seem prepared to, to go out into a universe of junk. And behind them is a group of four young, what you can only conclude to be adventurers. They have bright armor and bright smiles on their faces, and they are eagerly talking to one another about all of the treasure that they're going to find. Very excited. But what you see more than anything else when you enter this room is there is an enormous device that uh, Runel, you recognize to be some sort of magical cannon. And behind it, there is a dwarf dressed in the tinkering outfit of an artificer uh, who, from time to time, loads a, I want to say like a medicine ball size, like a volleyball sized ball into this cannon, pulls a lever, and with a boom, it gets fired through the entrance into the universe beyond. And you see each ball disappear as it reaches, you know, ha- ha- the halfway point of this this entrance and it, it vanishes to you. And uh, every once in a while, a cart comes up with several of these volleyball-sized things and they are deposited in a, in a crate, which are then loaded into the cannon and shot into the universe of junk. Uh, Runel... When he sees this, uh, he definitely knows exactly, like, the nature of the magical cannon. He does kind of roll his eyes a little bit. Um, I think he does not... um, I think Runel does not really particularly care for the art of artificing. Um, His whole thing is magic through study and learning, and I think the use of physical... Um, like the mechanical side to replicating magic is a little he sees it as beneath him so he definitely when he recognizes this he's like that's a little bit of a cheap gimmick I'm not a fan of that so what's his opinion on sorcerers who didn't have to work a day in their lives 
Yeah, again, it's I think it's, it's specifically the artificing that he finds as like a lazy shortcut to magic. Um, that like you're you're still like a sorcerer is still. Um, well, I I do. Um, I should say he Runel does not have a high opinion of deities in general. Um, so. Yeah, he probably feels the same way about... Uh, he, he's not convinced that sorcery is the way to learn magic. He, I, I, Reynolds very convinced that the way that magic should be done and learned and practiced is through intense study and learning and practicing. Um, so just to have magic abilities handed to you by a deity is also probably not something that he respects much but um in terms of like if he were to put it as a hierarchy i think artificing is probably the lowest form of magic in his opinion okay all right fair enough by despite it being a very intelligence based uh system of of operating um he feels it relies too much on uh tricks and gimmicks rather than um, the, the the study and self-reliance itself. As Runel is having this really contemplative look at this, Jet just goes, "Hey, Runel, see that see that sign up there? And damn, what 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 was it called? The Bureau of what? Yeah, the uh, Bureau of Universal Transport Services. <laughs> hey, Runel, look at the letters in that. What does that spell? Uh, it, it spells our way." It, it, it tells us exactly where to go. Let's let's head over there. I'm ashamed I know exactly what he's It spells butts! Uh, Roderick looks over at you guys and says, Oh, oh yes, the, uh, the boots services. Uh, definitely, definitely call it boots to their faces. Uh, it is, um, <clears throat> yes, boots. Bureau of Universal Transport Services. I imagine that would be a, a, a sore for them <laughs> with the name so Roderick turns to you guys and says now look uh, you guys are going to have to do a little bit of acting here so when you get to the table for the outgoing traffic you are going to need to uh, he turns to you uh, Runel and says you're going to need to look uh, sleazy that's the reputation from the casino universe so look a little sleazy and then uh, you Jet from the Ginkalian universe, you're going to have to pretend to be, uh, intelligent. No, that's not right. You're going to need to pretend to think that you're intelligent. Whether you are or not is irrelevant. Uh, and you can there, we trade? Darren, can I just, can I, can I just glare? Yes, that works. You're supposed to be angry, like you're holding back an enormous amount of rage at all times. That's not terribly difficult. But... But for real, can we trade? Like, I feel like my friend here could pull off Sleazy a lot better than Intelligent. And, like, that's kind of my jam, so... Are you... You want to try pulling off being a gnome? Here's the thing, though. Uh, His amulet is from the gnome universe, where everyone is a gnome. I still think I could convince people that I was a five-foot-nine gnome better than he could convince people that he was intelligent. You know, if you want, you can make that trade. And, I, uh, I mean, yeah, we can leave well enough alone, but I'm, I'm just letting you know that this man thought he had 500 gold 
after taking out a loan and spending all of it. <laughs> I don't have... Hey, I resemble that remark. Yeah. Yeah. Just narratively speaking, I thought it would be really what? funny to see <laughs> Runel try to be sleazy. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. Be I just, I, I, and I'm, I'm sticking with it, Ben. I think it's a good idea. It, it, it's quality podcasting. So, but these so, are definitely so concerns point. that Runel will have brought up in character. So I needed to do so. That's fair. Roderick looks over at you and says, uh, I think we're going to need to leave them as is. And, uh, well, you'll just have to do a little acting. Uh, don't worry, this is a very bored bureaucrat. He's barely going to be paying attention, so you don't have to act particularly well. All right. I hope for your sake and for ours, you're right. Because, again, he fights with spoons. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> hey, they're sharp spoons. <laughs> and, and, and forks, uh, don't forget that. He also gives you one last warning before you start joining the queue, and he, he says, "He says, uh, look, now I'm going to need to leave uh, for just a bit. I have my own business to attend to. Uh, I'm going to head off to the Barbarian Universe to take care of one of those other missions. One more word of warning before you go. Those orbs that you see fired out of that cannon are orbs of holding. Each one contains 16 tons of trash from other universes. They will be fired from that cannon, after which the orbs will disintegrate after a few moments in the air of another universe and they will explode into an enormous shower of garbage so if you hear a foosh coming from behind you take cover awesome after that good luck chaps i'm going to be on my way best of luck uh as you as he says this the uh, bored-looking bureaucrat at the outgoing desk uh, finishes examining some of the amulets for the salvage crew, and they head off down the hallway. You watch them walk down, and after about 100 paces, they vanish. And you don't see where they went. After that, the young and eager adventuring party heads up to the kiosk. Their amulets are examined. You can hear the man behind the counter say, Purpose of visit. And they say, oh, we're going on a grand adventure. He says, all right, then. Make sure you pay your taxes on the way back. Cheerio. And they walk down the hall, and they disappear. You guys walk up to the counter, and he says, hello there. Identifying amulets, please. We hand, we hand him our amulets. Uh, he looks at each of them in turn, looks up and down at you guys. Uh, please, everyone, roll a... You know, no, I'm not going to make you roll persuasion for this. Well, he looks up at the amulets and looks at each of you guys in turn. Please, everyone, describe to me how you are acting to seem like you are from the universe in question. Runal refu- doesn't want to give him the amulet. He's like, hey, hey, yo, what do you, what do you mean you need my amulet for? You know, I'm, I'm all above board or whatever. What are you talking about? And then I'm sure he insists. And then finally, he's hey, yo, watch it with... Uh, fingerprints, yo. I'm trying to keep it all clean, you know. Uh, I I don't like you touching my stuff all like that and whatnot, yo. All right then. Next, uh, he reaches over for your amulet, Darren. I just glare at him, just without hesitation. I'm just dead-eyed, like I'm ready to tear you apart. Glare. I don't say it. I don't like a single word. I like kind of just strongly place the amulet down 
on the table and just continually glare at him while he looks at it. He doesn't even flinch. The boredom of minor bureaucracy and the malaise over him is just... He looks at looks at you. All right, then. Next. <laughs> Jet? Jet. Uh, Jet kind of... kind of <laughs> Being two feet tall, he, he, he clambers <laughs> up on top of the desk and is like, uh, Jet, here's my ambulance. Thingy, I uh, don't forget to watch the thingamajiggies because they are have some physical manipulation manipulation properties. Got it. He kind of gives you a long look, but looks at the amulet, sees that you're a gnome, and writes it off. <laughs> and he says, "All right then. Uh, purpose of your visit." To find thingamabobs. Uh, we're adventuring and searching for something. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, carry on. Thank <laughs> you very much, my good sir. And just proudly walks out. <laughs> All right, you guys turn, and you start walking down the hallway. You walk down the hallway at a steady pace. It seems to go on and on. But after 100 paces or so... You cross some invisible line and all of a sudden, instead of an endless hallway, you are looking out of a short hallway into another universe, with an endless white hallway stretching back behind you. Outside of that short hallway, you see a slate gray sky with dirty looking clouds stretching over rolling hills of varying dirty colors that blend together to make a brownish gray. It's all trash. Those rolling hills, they're trash. The valleys are trash, with rivers of trash flowing through them. In the distance, you can see trash mountains. Welcome to Salvagian Moss. I'm trying not to make a Wally or a uh, Toy Story 4 joke where it's just like, you're just like me, you're trash too. The way this is going to work is that you guys are going to be exploring and searching for things. There's going to be various places that you will discover along the way, and that's going to be determined by me rolling dice. So you guys are going to have... You guys are going to be rolling encounter checks, or I will be rolling encounter checks for you, and you will be encountering encountering various peoples, places, locations, monsters, uh, and when you guys have discovered enough and you've found everything that you that you need, you'll be heading back. So at this point, you guys can head in whatever direction you want, and it'll be. I'll, I'll allow you guys to just find your way back. There might be an encounter or two, but I'm not going to make you guys, like, uh, I'm going to get lost in this whole thing. Like, you might, you know, get lost in your search for something, but I'm not going to... Uh, this The entrance is on this gigantic mound of trash. It almost seems like there's a mountain beneath it, and you guys can see it from pretty much wherever you are. I'm picturing this Sakaar. Is that a accurate... Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Sakar writ large. Cool. I like it. Yeah, junk. So much junk. Charles likes it. Rudel, Rudel probably doesn't, but Charles likes it. <laughs> where, are we, where are we standing? Did we just get plopped on a mound of trash? You are, you're uh, standing right now we- in the end of a white hallway on top of a gigantic mountain of trash that you will need to climb down to get anywhere. Like, like, um, so like a sand-like light is going to topple out of our feet as we walk, or this is... Uh, 
Stable. This, Wait, how do we standing? It's it's like, stable. Uh, the, the, substance. You're standing on a on white stone in a hallway, but just beyond that, there is trash that seems pretty stable since it's supporting this whole pillared hallway thing. Well, we we we're not gonna be able to swim through this like uh, Steve McDowell. So uh, I gotta imagine that it's got some. I mean, some things some things might give way here and there, um, but I'm not gonna just make something give way without there being some sort of warning or something or whatever. You know, there's gonna I'm gonna describe different things to you guys, so you don't have to worry about like, oh, you just fall. You so know? are those are those uh, four adventures ahead of us going to be like guinea pigs? I'm like, oh, look, they just fell fell down a hole and died. Let's uh, go with the other direction. That's fair. So you see the four adventurers ahead of you just kind of running off in uh, like a left direction. You don't know where north, south, east, or west are. It's just a slate gray sky. You can't see a sun. There's just dirty clouds overhead. Um, But they just made a left outside of it, and they're running off. And you can hear like happy... Happy shouting, like a like a bunch of college guys, you know, going going out for some sort of event, being like, "Yeah, we're gonna get so rich, we're gonna have treasure, yeah, yeah." And then sudden screams. You you get the idea that like following them is not necessarily going to attract the good sort of attention. Well, um, I guess we just start searching. I mean, there's not much direction. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, pick it, pick a direction and go. East. Well, let's let's let them those yeah. folks uh, get ahead and let's walk walk down this. All right, probably the opposite direction in which they're going. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, uh, behind you, you hear a and uh, one of those orbs goes shooting out above your heads, and it disappears in the distance, and you hear a pop, and it you know. From far off in the distance, you hear some kind of scattered clanging and clashing. Yeah, let's go, uh, let's go. They went left, right? They went left. Let's go right. Yeah, so, all right, you guys head down to the right, and it is a fairly easy climb. Uh, You are currently climbing over a mound of what seems like rubble, like it was maybe it was some sort of gigantic castle a long time ago that has fallen into decay. There are like a bunch of granite bricks just kind of all in different shapes and sizes and lying around. And you climb down to the bottom of this mountain and you see a valley below you through which is running uh, a river of trash. And it's, it's water. Think dumpster water. Dirty, filthy, stinky water. And it is running kind of directly along the base of the mountain. If you guys are going this way, you're going to have to cross it. Can I missy step multiple people? No, I cannot. No. Whoops. Can he, can he please? <laughs> can he please? <laughs> it's like 50 feet wide, and it is going, seems to be going very quickly. There are on the other side, there are, um, there's a different sort of trash. It looks like it's the sort of trash you might find from a, um, it's a sort of trash that looks like it came out of some rich guy's house. So it seems like maybe like a whole bunch of old furniture, a whole bunch of, there's, there's like a couple, um, like gigantic logs, 
There's some enormous wooden beams. It almost looks like someone took an entire mansion and just dropped it and it crashed on the ground on the other side of this river. I have... <clears throat> it's a cantrip. Um, frostbite. Can I freeze the flow of this water? Because I feel like... Is frostbite necrotic damage? Uh, that is a good question. No, it's, um... I think that freezes somebody's hand instead of a thing. Cold, yeah, it's cold damage. Okay. Why don't we just throw a rope across and okay. then and on, see if we can hold it onto something. We throw you with a rope across. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> D- Darren's I answer mean, to everything is throw somebody. I mean, throw me, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, You're known for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. (laughs) I I imagine that Jet comments that he could not make the jump so that he would have to be tossed. But he he wouldn't want the humans to know. In a thick Scottish drawl. Yeah, he wouldn't want any elves to know about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He'd want it to be uh, 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 Loki. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, so, are, okay, are we throwing Jet? I guess. I don't know, I just... <laughs> also, I mean, it's two against one right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, um, I mean, if, if Jet's willing... I could just jump. How, how, how far across it's is It's 50 feet. <laughs> oh, that's a long jump. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big risk for him to not make it, so... Yeah. Um, Especially, that's, that's why I'm saying... He's got a rope tied around That's why him. I'm saying we tie a rope around Jet. Then we throw him so that we can pull him back in case of emergency. Uh, I mean, if he's up for that, but um, <laughs> and you, you, you rewrote our uh, previously established rules for unseen servant, correct? I can't. Yeah. Tell a yeah, rope across exactly. the river. Exactly. Listen. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Darren, are you gonna chuck me or not? I say. I I also have scorching ray. If we want to boil the river off. Sure. No. Uh, all right. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Aren't, I'm aren't you a like a water systems engineer? Do you know how running water works? <laughs> I. Yeah. I. As soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, man. I. That's not how that works at all. And also, even freezing it, that is not how that works. At yeah, all. I'd take... have to freeze all of it. And I, I'm like, there's no way he's gonna give me this for a cantrip. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see how 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 much gnome could could have could have. Uh, I'm tying I'm tying a rope around. Uh, how much gnome could a minotaur toss chuck if a minotaur could if he was convinced by a human wizard <laughs> to do so? It doesn't rhyme, but I think it works. I tie a rope around Jet and I hurl him. Okay, go ahead. Uh, strength check. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Please make an athletics check. Athletics. That's even better because I have a great bonuses of that. I'd also like to mark remark that this is the very first die roll of the session. Yeah, it is. Hey, twenty-two. Okay, yeah. With with a twenty-two, you get him across. Uh, you jet. You just barely make it across. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to make an acrobatics Uh-oh. check to make sure that you're not falling back into the river. Oh boy! Don't die, please. I just got you over there. Um, wait, wait, as, as he's thrown into the air, I'm going to cast Featherfall on him. Okay. You know what? I'll say that, that that gets him farther. And so, 
Yeah, don't worry about that, Jack. Well, I'll just say that it was a natural 20. Okay, yeah, you land I mean, never mind. perfect somersault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do... No, there's no reason I would not have cast it before throwing it. So he, I'm definitely using the yeah. spell slot. For a total of 21. Yeah, that is... You land perfectly. Almost elegantly. And in an, with an elegance you guys have never seen Jet display before. I just hold up a 10 sign. Would you say, like, a feather? Yes, as elegant as a feather. Parkour! There's, there's a random 10 uh, sign just on the ground next to us, and I just hold it up. It's like... Mm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure w- the, the amount of rope we have is probably yes, is exactly, exactly 50, 50 feet. feet. I'll so. say that you tied two ropes together. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all uh, smart so, enough to do that. <laughs> uh, Jet, yeah, you... Okay, now you find a big beam and you tie the rope. And Darren, you find, uh, you know, a rock outcropping and you tie your end of the rope around it. There is now a rope stretched taut across this river of trash, uh, about three feet in the air above the river. Now, how are you, Darren, and you, Brunel, getting across? I think I should stay on this side until we've determined if anything over there is of any work. Because I don't want to fall in that river. And we have someone over there. I mean, there's a whole universe on the other side of that river. This is not like if there's anything over there of any worth. Uh, yet there is. That is fair. Yeah. We, we've we've committed to... Like, we, we've already thrown a person. <laughs> I feel like once we've done that, we've kind of decided that's the way we're going to go. I, I'm fairly um, certain this is our third occurrence of hurling someone across some kind of gap or height. <laughs> how uh, how taut is the rope? It is rather taut. Alright. Um, Runel is going to attempt to cross the rope. Um, he... Um, Are you slacklining this? Yes, no, please. Uh, uh, I think um, under, like, spider climb. I'm okay. motioning with my hands as if, you know, this isn't a podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm like going to more so hang underneath the rope and kind of slide myself across. Um, so I don't think balance and acrobatics are going to be my strong suit here. I think it's going to be more just focused on not falling in the water, which will absolutely, desperately does not want to do because it it do be stank. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. Do you, do you have the spell spider climb? Like, you could... Uh, here's the thing. I've read about it. I never took the time to learn it. <laughs> but I have read about it. So I'm doing spider climb in a very non-magical way. <laughs> I read it in a book once. And, right. and he absolutely thinks, note to self, <laughs> learn, learn a spell to do this because this, this is not fun. All right. So I'm going to make you make a pretty low DC athletics check. So... Roll a d20 for me. Yeah, I definitely should have slacklined it because my acrobatics is a lot higher than my athletics. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you change your mind. Yeah, it's okay. I rolled a 19 minus 1, so an 18. Okay, yeah, you make it across. He, he really doesn't want to get wet, especially in this stank juice. Yeah, you you make it across. You almost throw up, but you, you kind of like hold your breath and make it across. All um, right, Darren. I do, oh, okay, well, I thought just for, you know, 
giggles, I'll roll a constitution saving throw, and I did get a nat 20. So I think <laughs> the experience of sliding down the slide past that stink stone back in uh, our own universe definitely prepared him for whatever was coming next. Uh, I've learned to cover my nose before doing anything related to uh, trashy odor encumbrances. That's fair. I, I will say that the stink stone, you're in a universe of garbage right now, and the stink stone is still the worst smell you've ever smelled. <laughs> yeah, like I said, that was they did a pretty good job with that. They, they replicated yeah, the smell perfectly. Enchantments. <laughs> All right, Darren. I'm yeah. Uh, I'm going to use uh, my cloven hooves to like slackline this across uh, as carefully and steadily as I can, using the balance of my horn. Excellent. Uh, go ahead and roll acrobatics. Acrobatics. For me. That's a six. Okay, I am going to allow you to make a dexterity saving throw to grab the rope on your way down into this river of trash. Oh, it's not much better. That's a nine. Yeah, you fall into the river. Uh, first of all, make a constitution saving throw. Oh, fun. Luckily, I have plenty of that. Oh, this is going to be rough. Constitution. That's a ten for Khan. Should have gotten the immovable rod. Okay, you vomit hardcore. You are so disgusted by this. You have been covered in blood and gore before. This is revolting. Uh, do me a favor. Make... I'm going to let you try, as you're being swept downstream, to try to swim close enough to the shore that you can misty step across. All right. Make an athletics check with disadvantage. Can can Jet grab, uh, untie... Oh, shoot, but I can't untie the end of the rope because it's tied at both we, ends now. Here's the thing. We each had 50 feet of rope. So I can't still 50 imagine feet. that you would have tried to slack line across without putting a tether to the rope itself. You had the other rope because I used mine in jets. Yeah, see, I can imagine that really well. Well, my imagination is clearly <laughs> okay, not so as good as yours. Um... Uh, so we use two two ropes, so one of us has to have the other one. We just never really decided who has what, so... Yeah, we'll say you guys have um, a rope on yeah. you. You can throw a rope to... Uh, That's an 11 to swim across. Athletics or acrobatics? Uh, for what? For the yeah. swimming? That's athletics. athletics. Athletics? Oh, sweet. That's a 13. So I'm like... I'm imagining I I'm a rope. struggling across. I, I will say, yeah, you get, you get to about the halfway point and I can and miss there step is a rope thrown in the water and you you grab a hold on to it and you you're able to like not wash away you missy step to the shore you're okay now uh, do me a favor and take three points of poison damage for the little bits of trash water that you accidentally drank <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, you and you throw up all over the far shore. You are just blah. so much for my balance. You know, oh, woof, man! Uh, dude, sorry if I said anything about you before, but man, woof, that's that's a lot. Bruno, do you still have prestidigitation? I could use a hand here. I can't smell anything over myself. Yeah, I, I dry them off. Yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, you blend in pretty I well. Dry him off, but then I also um, make him smell apple pie. <laughs> Not smell like apple pie. You just make me okay. smell apple pie. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, you, I make you smell. I use prestidigitation to make you smell apple pie. I uh, thank you very much, sir. That was a, a genuine blessing. Did you like the nutmeg? All right. Gather up our rope. All right. So at this point, yeah, at this point, you guys have 50 feet of rope left uh, since the other two are still across the river. Um, you could leave it there. You might need to come back in a day or two or three. Uh, and you guys carry on directly across the river into the universe beyond. At this point, you are walking over this small heap of shattered mansion and then beyond that there is kind of like you heard in the guidebook there is a large patch of what you you guys wouldn't recognize uh but you guys as people would know are slot machines you see just these uh levers and wheels and there's just a whole ton of them crumpled onto the ground uh before we continue Perhaps searching... Well, I don't really know what Onyx is. Do you think this rich fellow's mansion might have any of Well, Onyx is... Um, it is a... And hold on. I, I was... Charles was trying to be... A rock snake no. Pokemon. <laughs> um, um, Onyx... Actually, here, wait. I, I'm going to do this in character. Um, but Charles actually doesn't know. Yeah, like, I've, like... I'm the low intelligence character, but I can't say anything about it. <laughs> it is a variety of a silicate mineral. Um, it's largely produced by uh, igneous formation. Um, it, it's very black, uh, very dark, very shiny, uh, very sharp, um, if, if cut correctly. Um, so that that's what we're looking for here. It's something very shiny, very dark. It's basically a rock. Shiny, dark rock. And he wanted a brick of it? Yes, he wanted, actually, two onyx bricks. Yes, but it's like a rock, so we'd have to find a really big chunk of onyx or something that's already a brick. Well, I'm assuming that someone else would have made the brick. Um, he's not... He would have given us mining equipment, I'm sure, if he expected right. us to go find onyx and make bricks out of it. Um, I'm, I'm assuming um, that somebody in some universe somewhere probably uses this as maybe currency. Uh, so this is probably a standard item that we might be able to find. No, I'm changing the podcast again. It's going to be a mining podcast now. <laughs> uh, we're just going to. This is basically Minecraft the podcast. Uh, we're just going to be going through the world and just chopping up dirt. Yay! Nice. <laughs> Jed is like, okay, I'm getting bored. And he walks over to the other slot machines and just pulls on the <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I will. You know what? Do me a favor. Uh, roll a straight up and down D20. And it's going to be a luck check to see if you actually find a functional slot machine. Ooh, that's five. Uh, yeah, you, you don't find a functional slot machine. You just pull the lever and it comes off in your hand. All right. And it, it makes a little like ka-ching sound, but nothing comes out. I try to bust it open. Uh, okay, yeah, make an attack against the slot machine. 
I'll say I'll pull out a I'll pull out with some of my spoon my uh spoons and knives and try to pry pry it. Okay, yeah, you burst it open. Well, no, you have to yeah. Go ahead and roll an attack then. Oh, okay. Uh, what do I did? What strength? Yeah, it's, a, it's an attack. Stuff yeah. to that. Wait, an attack roll? Like, sure. does this thing have a DC? Yeah, uh, We're an AC? Yeah. An AC, yeah. Okay. Set an attack roll. That's a... Uh, ooh, okay, that's... Tw it's, uh, I'm using strength, that's a 23. That works. You burst this thing right open, and inside there is a bunch of springs and gears and a little glowing light uh, that seems like it changes colors like a tiny little disco ball. And that is that is actually glowing, not very brightly, but it's glowing. But there is no money. Hey, room, this is a gear, isn't it? Is this what we need? Is it copper? Hmm. What? You take a look. What is it? It's a silver metal. It's not a copper gear. Um, good shapes, jet. Not the right color. But maybe hold on to this, cause that is the right shape, and I'm very proud of you. <laughs> He's not a child. Hey, just, uh, just, I, I'm not, I'm, never mind. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, you guys have, uh, you guys are still at the edge of this kind of field of slot machines. Uh, there are hundreds of these things, kind of scattered in front of you. You could go around it, or you could go across it. Uh, why not go across? They maybe go across it. Yeah, we're gonna intersect many more things. Shortest distance and all. Okay, there. Gentlemen, be looking if anything stands out. Okay, uh, do me a favor, roll a perception check. Okay, that is... 18? That's a 4 okay, yeah, for use, Oh, wait, I haven't rolled. Give me a second. <laughs> That's a 12. Okay, Jet, you see the spots that are likely to give you trouble, that are likely to you know, not be as steady, and you are able to guide the others around them. Just using your natural, oh, okay, I charge on ahead. They follow you, and you walk along a solid path, and you get across these, uh, this field of slot machines. Past that, there is a large hill in front of you that looks like it's garbage of a uh, green leafy variety. There's a bunch of overgrowth. There are vines. There are uh, mounds of moss. There's mulch. Um, it's very earthy. Uh, and it seems it's a, just kind of a large hill of like there's grass clippings. And, you know, that's there's like a range of these hills of what looks like some gigantic gardening event dumped all their spoils. Well, I'd say if there was a place to find fungus, it'd be here. Shall we, uh... I mean, I know a little bit of foliage. We can start looking for lichen or fungi around this area. Sounds good to me. Okay, now you guys start working your way into the hills of greenery. Uh, can I get someone to make an investigation check for me, please? Who's got the highest intelligence here? Because uh, <laughs> I have a well, zero in it. I wonder. You know what? I'll also allow someone to make a survival check. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I think Runel would, I think Runel is actively going to look for these, um, and roll that great, so. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll roll for survival just to see if I can spot anything. Yeah, I think, narratively, Runel is 
wants to be looking for these this fungus, but is also really turned off by all the trash, so he's not really as focused as he maybe thinks he is. That's fair. I'm also imagining that you've read a bunch of books about fungus and stuff, but they were all in black and white, so you've never actually seen what they <laughs> look like in color, so you're just like, uh... Exactly. I like exactly. That. I rolled a dirty 20 on a survival check, so... So, you don't on that die. survival check... <laughs> With a 20, you survive. <laughs> On that survival check, you would know that fungus are going to be in damp areas. So you should probably go down to one of the trash streams or trash ponds and look around in that area. If I fall in again, I'm going to kill something. Uh, gentlemen, I think uh, knowing what I know about fungus and moss, all that type, uh, we should probably sadly be going towards one of those. But uh, hopefully we shouldn't have to uh, cross any this time. I didn't think you would want to be doing that so soon, but uh, given that it is you that's suggesting it, I think it is our best bet. Let's just cross these items off the list as fast as possible to get out of here. Yeah, this, this place is not where I want to be, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't know what it is, but when I put, the, when I put this belt on, ow, things don't smell so bad here. Must be a weird belt thingy. Funny belt. Let's. So we want to go find find some fungus. Let's go look. I can dive my face in this. I don't. I don't care. Let's go find a fungi. All right, you guys head down into one of the valleys and you follow one of the trash streams, one of the trash cricklets, uh, into a wide open area that has a large pond, almost a small lake of dirty trash water. Oh, but In the center of that lake, you see a rocky island that has a few trees and ferns growing out of it, and on it, you see a bunch of logs that have a bunch of fungus on them. There's mushrooms, there's just a bunch of stuff growing over it, and some of it looks like it might be green. Uh, if you get to the center of this little pond, it looks like there might be some green fungus. How big is the pond around? Uh, it's about... Uh, 60 foot radius. You're the worst. I know. How far to the set to get to the center? To get to the center, yeah. Well, we, uh, don't got no rope anymore. <laughs> so that's great. There's not much to you. I mean, I, I, I feel like our best bet would be to, uh, would sadly be to find some sort of, you know, flotation device that we don't have to get wet using, just drift down the pond. Like at the start of the river, down into the pond to the island. Yeah, are there any big logs? There's, there are a lot of logs. Logs, branches, vines. All right. Who wants to try and create a raft with me? You show, you show me what to do, and I'll put them together. Yeah. You know what? I'll allow one of you to make a um a survival check with advantage, as you guys. Use your wits and the resources around you to build a raft. Matt, I trust your luck more right now. I think you should make the roll. And I think we both have a one to survival, right? So it doesn't matter who does All right. We're just figuring it out together. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, wait. Yes, you have invented. Please. (laughs) Well, that was higher. Um, That was a four and a six, so I got a seven. 
You put this here? Leave someone make an investigation check. Uh, uh, I, Runel, absolutely is going to be the one to make sure that this... It looks, it looks fine. Yeah, no, it, it, it looks seaworthy. What did you roll in that investigation check? A seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you guys pile onto this raft in the shallows of the trash pond. Wait, we're going with this? Yeah, yeah I checked yeah. it out. It looks fine. <laughs> Please tell me it's like, we just have two logs tied together and they're not even tied together well. And it's just like, oh, this is going to sink right away. <laughs> They've also rotten a lot. So, like, they've rotted away a lot, so they, like, are really not even really floating that way. So, I'm going to say, yeah, you guys are getting your ankles wet for sure. You've got, like, a long tree branch that you're kind of punting off the bottom with. Uh, I'm going to say you guys get halfway there, like, 30 feet in, and it, it's kind of, like, starting to sink a little bit. You, your guys' shoes are just getting covered in this stuff right I now. I don't have shoes. I have holes. Uh, until halfway across... The raft just breaks apart. One of the vines that you guys use to like hold it together just snaps, and you guys all fall into the water. Please, everybody. I don't wait. Take. As it starts to fall apart, I kind of take a very selfish act because I don't want to get soaked again, and I use Misty Step and go to the island just barely. I'm wasting a second, second level soap <laughs> for this, but I am not going in that water again. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Uh, so, you're not going into the water. Please, the remaining two of you, take one point of poison damage. I'm sorry! Uh, and then... I I have resistance to poison damage. So does. Uh, so, yeah, you take zero points of poison damage. So, Runel, you take one point of poison damage. Uh, and make a constitution saving throw. Now nah, let's give the constitution Wait, saving throw. Wait, who has the rope? Hey! Brutal takes one point of poison damage. But he got a crit 20 on his con save. That's two in a row. Hey! Okay, yeah, no, nobody nobody takes uh, any damage. Nobody's weaker. Uh, you guys just kind of in disgust uh, swim your way. And, like, there's sometimes there's some places where you can touch the bottom. You swim and wade your way over to the island in the center. Um, just in time to roll initiative. Because uh, in the center of this uh, lichen-y, overgrown, rocky outcropping, there is this large mound of vines and mosses and things like that. And in fact, the moment that Darren gets there, it starts moving around a little bit, but the moment all three of you are on there, it stands up and starts to shamble towards you. Uh, this, this, you might say it's a shambling mound, uh, and it starts coming at you guys. One might say. And next session, next episode, we'll have some combat and we'll roll initiative. But for now, that's where we're going to end. So, Charles, what were our words of the episode? For our listeners, we decided to include this segment uh, because one of the recording devices that Charles uses just brings up some words that were used over and over again uh, as just kind of keywords. And we decided that we should share these with you because they're often pretty funny. Um, I forget how I see it. I mean, the title of the video, it just saved itself as the it named the file IRS. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Your phone is now sending it to the real life IRS, and they're like, "Why are we getting this? Like, it's forwarded from the NSA directly to the IRS. Exactly. You're gonna get audited next week. <laughs> oh no! Your podcast hasn't even started making uh, money. Here but we we're go. Doing it. <laughs> they're so good too. Uh, keywords from this session: IRS, universe, and catwalk. <laughs> That sounds just about right. All right. Thank you to my fantastic players for being great. Thank you to our fantastic listeners for sticking with us. Thank you to my fantastic wife for letting me play D&D as a hobby and putting the kids to bed tonight. Uh, We hope to see you all next episode. Thanks for coming. The following tracks were used with the permission of a free license through Incompetech Film Music. All music was composed by Kevin McLeod. Here are the titles in order of appearance. Second Coming No Percussion, The Second Coming Instrumental, Finding the Balance, Thief in the Night, Life of Riley, Dance of Questionable Tuning, Thunderbird, Ancient Mystery Waltz Vivace, and, of course, Attack of the Mole Men. Thanks, Kevin McLeod. Your stuff is pretty great.